This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about technology right now because, you know, sometimes I think it's a little late for us to talk about figuring out what to do with kids and cell phones because, you know what? They're already using them. They model what they see, their parents' behavior. If their parents are all over them, kids are going to be all over them. But then again, technology is changing all the time. So there is an area for us to still get involved here. And one of those is where the United Nations thinks that we can do more. It's about educating kids in school about technology and the risks associated with that. But can we do it? Can we actually agree on what that kind of curriculum would look like? Well, joining us now, is Dr. Lana Parker, Associate Professor of Education at Windsor University. Dr. Parker, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Is there a place, do you think, in our schools to educate kids about technology? Absolutely. And I think it's a great question because I think sometimes instinctively there's a reaction to try to disassociate phone use or cell phones from school. So we hear things like, you know, we should have a ban of cell phones in school. Um, And I do agree that there's a valuable um, idea behind limiting screen time. However, the flip side of that, as you pointed out, is that we need proper engagement um, in the classroom through the curriculum with how to make sense of this very complicated online environment that uh, young people start to engage with at a pretty early age. Has it not, is it not too late for that though? Because they're engaging in it, their parents are doing the same, like aren't they learning a lot of this behavior at home already? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So, you know, you can almost flip it on its head and say, well, it's, it's never too late because it's important if we have not really had proper engagement previously or if this has been an area of oversight in education, then it's even more important that we respond. So it's true that most of the um, online use that they see, as you said, is kind of modeled in the house. But, you know, one of the things is that young people are pretty developmentally sensitive and growing up with the technology means that a lot of the content that they engage with is between themselves and the online world. Because unlike previous generations, uh, everybody's got their own screen now. So one of the things that I think makes a really good rationale for having more engagement with at least what they're experiencing online in schools is that we want to deprivatize it. We want to bring what they're engaging with one-on-one on their screens in online life into the real life world, whether it's dinner table conversations or conversations with teachers in the classroom. Right. But if parents can't even agree on the technology and how it should be used and what if it's good or bad, how how can we get the schools to figure that out? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things is to not be too prescriptive. That is to say, um, not try to teach very particular kinds of things, like how to use this particular app, for example, which, as you said, you know, some parents would prefer their student or their children to not be engaged with. I think it's more a question of 
how can we encourage the kinds of critical literacies? So ways of thinking about who we engage with online, how we ourselves present online, how we make decisions about myths and disinformation and what information is real. I think those are things that are really literacy-based and can be disconnected from technology, if you pardon the pun, but also deeply engaged through technology. So um, despite you know the enormous variances in at-home use, the school can really be a place where um, we start to see a little bit more equity of access to things like technology and to discussions, critical discussions about the content that they're engaging with online. Have we been good at this so far? Uh, we have tried. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ontario, um, for example, um, has a media literacy curriculum, and I think media literacy curricula even in BC across across Canada has been taken up in different ways. Historically, that looked like, um, you know, alerting young people to uh, media that they wouldn't count as sort of traditional media, like news media or television advertising or the things that they might see in magazines. That curriculum has been slow to evolve. But I would also say that one of the things that is important now is to evolve beyond just one curriculum strand and sort of, you know, moving it off to the side and saying, okay, we've got a digital literacy curriculum, for example, so that's all we need now. Uh, I don't think we've been great at it, and I think that there's lots of room for it to be incorporated critically across things like numeracy and literacy curriculums more broadly from um, kindergarten all the way to grade 12. Sorry, when we say literacy, you're not just teaching them how to use these platforms then. Uh, Wouldn't the curriculum be more along the lines of, "Let's, let's question this, like what is good about this? What is bad about this? Absolutely. So that idea that they are making decisions online about who to follow. Uh, They might not be making decisions. The algorithm might be making decisions for them in terms of making recommendations for other kinds of content. Like on YouTube, you watch this video, so maybe you want to watch this next. So the kind of criticality that they need in order to make decisions well, but also I think that they need an in real life place, um, some space and some time in the classroom to talk about what it is that they're encountering. So You know, in my research, I'll talk to young people and they'll talk to me about the comment sections as being some of the more popular, (laughs) the the more popular, but also some of the more stressful places. And and sometimes they're turning to the comment section for the kind of validation or reinforcement about how to make sense of the material. And if we leave it there, if we don't provide them with an in-class space to come and make sense of that material then they're going to continue to use tools like the comment section to make those important decisions about whether something is real or reasonable or reliable. Well, that in itself makes a very persuasive argument for media literacy. Dr. Parker, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's Dr. Lana Parker, Associate Professor of Education at Windsor University. I think that does make a very good argument for teaching kids media literacy, essentially to question those things, uh, not rely on the comments section as being like totally representative of how people feel. Uh, It's good to ask questions, make them understand things like how the algorithm works, how the internet works. These are things that not every kid gets taught, right? So should we have more programs like that in school where they have to learn it? You tell me, simi at cknw.com.